Boo Mitch's. I'm one, and there'll be another one. How's everyone going tonight? A quick intro for those who don't know me. Um, some of you might know me as Mitchell Eva from the Brisbane Fellowship. Uh, most of you, if not all of you, know me as Mitchell the Tax Collector. I'm the nice man that's been taking all your money coming up to camp. And to one particular person, um, she addresses me as Mr Tooth Fairy. And that's my wife. You can talk to her later. But um, I'll have the privilege tonight on um, sharing some thoughts on our theme, Connected. And for everyone taking notes, the title that I've written for my talk is 1G No Bars, which some of you might get it, some of you might not. I'll explain it later. Probably won't be as funny, but maybe it wasn't to begin with. Um, what I want to talk about tonight is today's society is all about having the best connection, quality, speed, and with the minimal amount of interferences and disturbances. Um, when it comes to our relationship with God, it's actually no different. We want to have the best quality relationship that we can with minimal amount of interferences and disturbances and barriers. And that's how I've kind of come up with this title, 1G, or we serve one God with no bars or no interferences or blockages. And what I kind of want to look at tonight, um, just a few scriptures talking about in principle, uh, more than example, is how we actually position ourselves to connect with God. And over the course of the camp, and I'm sure um, there'll be a lot more content revealed about the specifics of the things that we do which connect us to God, but tonight I really just want to look at principally what is it that we do or what is God's solution to connecting with him. Now, I'm going to reference a few scriptures. If you want to turn to the first one, it's in Job 28, 28. Um, what I want to kind of show is God's solution to actually connecting with him all throughout time has never actually changed, despite the fact of how people have interacted with God pre-Old Testament. Old Testament and New Testament has changed, whether God interacted with people like Abraham, Noah, or he had that kind of personal, he met with them in a very personal and interactive way, or if it was in the Old Covenant, where they had a priest or a king or a prophet, which is a spiritual mediator on behalf of the people, or there is a New Testament, which we are now, and we actually have the Holy Spirit to connect with God, and Jesus Christ is our um, high priest, and he sits on the right hand of God. Despite all these differences, I guess, of laws and interactions that we have with God, his solution of how we connect with him has been the same through all time. So the first scripture I just want to reference quickly Job 28, 28. Now, um, this particular verse, for those who don't know Job, um, he's a man that lost everything that he had. He was quite wealthy. He had lots of donkeys and camels. He had servants. He had assets. He had a big family. And he lost everything and he got really sick. And all this stuff happened to him. And this particular chapter, he's surrounded by his friends. They've come to him when he's sick. It's very different in today's society. When you're sick, you're meant to isolate and everyone leaves you well enough alone. Job was sick and all his friends found out and they came and they ripped up their clothes. So if any of your friends are sick, that's not what I want you to get at tonight's talk. Leave your friends alone, let them isolate, let them get better and pray for them. 
But in this position that Job was in, when all this stuff was going wrong in his life and he felt really disconnected, this was actually the understanding of position he was in and how he was able to remain connected to God. Um, Job 28, and I'll read from verse 27. This is what he shared with his friends that came to him and they were actually trying to give him advice on how to maintain or fix his relationship with God. And this is what he said to them. He said, Then he saw wisdom and he declared it. He prepared it indeed, he searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to part from evil is understanding. <clears throat> There's two principles that are going to come out a lot tonight. One of them is a gift of the Spirit and one of them is a fruit of the Spirit. And both are absolutely essential and necessary for us to actually not only draw near to God, but actually to be able to continually connect with him. And all these verses we look at tonight, um, they just reiterate this point that I want to address. So here's Job saying to his friends to actually the fear of the Lord or the respect to actually agree with God's way of living is the right way, is more than what our way of living is. And to depart from evil or to depart from our way is to disconnect from the world and to stay connected to God. And that's what he was trying to get through to his friends, is that you actually have to continue to follow God's word, even in this position of turmoil that it was in. So that's pre-Old Testament example. I'll quickly get to the next one, otherwise I run out of time. Um, Second Chronicles 15, from verse 1 to 4. Quick summary. Um, the people of Israel at this time, two particular tribes, found themselves um, in a tricky spot. They're disconnected from God. They were doing the wrong thing. A bit like a toddler with his hand in the cookie jar and you, you take him out, you put him next to his vegetables, you walk off, you turn around, he's back doing the wrong thing. Every time God came to help the Israelites, they just kept getting back into positions where they were disconnected or they distanced themselves from where God wanted them to be. And the prophet here, um, Azariah, this is his advice to them on how to actually come back and be connected with God. So Second Chronicles 15 um, from verse 1. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet um, Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Ju um, Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord, God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. Anything when it comes to connecting, if you're not actually in that position where the power is or the electricity, it doesn't matter how many extension cords you have, what kind of AC adapter or plug-in you have or what you're trying to charge, if you're not actually in where the power is or if you're not actually in where God is, you're not near to him. You can't connect to him. And you have to come back to that position. James 4 verse 1 to 10, um, New Testament example. And we're going to break this down a little bit. And it really clearly defines these principles in two points about one being humility and meekness, which is absolutely essential um, for us when it comes to actually agreeing with what God says. To be humble means to put our opinions and thoughts aside and to actually be willing to hear what God is trying to say to us. Wisdom, 
there's probably a lot of definitions of wisdom, the simplest being the actual putting into practice of what is right. And that's that discipline. If, if you were in Dan um, Frost's workshop today, he talked a bit about discipline and actually turning the things we hear and believe are right into action. And both are necessary to actually come and connect with God. So James 4 and verse 1 to 10. So let me check my time. It's probably at 15 minutes already. Eight minutes, all right. James 4 uh, from verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from um, your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and you do not have, you murder and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. A very clear statement point that he's making is that when you're connected and very heavily involved and orientated, or when your desires are for the things of the flesh and of the world and that's your passion and that's where your thoughts are at, it's very hard for you to connect with God because you're not in that right position. And the solution that he gives in verse 6, I'll keep reading, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And again, in this solution of actually having a connection with God, you see the same two things come up. About one, having humility and being willing to accept that our way of living doesn't connect us with God. But also to submit to God or to have obedience or to have the wisdom to do what he's asked brings us that step in and actually connects us. There's a duality of both of them. Jesus um, spoke on this as well, and we're going to turn there in Matthew 7, verse 24. So these three verses we've looked at quickly. The principle being, whenever there was either a group of people or an individual that was disconnected from God, the solution was always to actually draw near to him or to come and be where God is. But there's two things that you need to do, and Jesus addresses them in, this, um, in these verses. Now, Matthew 7 was a very uh, crucial part in Jesus' ministry. <clears throat> it was actually one of the first times he got up and spoke in front of a large group of people. It was, um, I guess for him and his ministry and what he came to do to prepare the hearts and mind of people for the Holy Spirit and the age which was to come, this was his first impression. It was kind of like the first time you go up to that cute girl or cute guy and you want to, you know, you want to say the right things and you want them to remember you. And I, I can't even remember what the first things I said to my wife were when I met her, but I probably thought I did a good job and she probably thought, who's this weirdo? Why has he come up to talk to me? But hey, um, we're married now. She probably still thinks I'm a bit of a weirdo, but that's all right. That's married life. But this for Jesus, um, this was his opportunity to actually speak to these people and to actually have this first impression and to get through to them what was about to happen and to change history. So Matthew 7 and verse 24, and he speaks about a parable of two builders. 
Now, up until this point, the Sermon on the Mount, he addresses a few things, some of which actually connect people to God and some of which disconnect us. So he talked about things like having a prayer life, being thankful, learning to love your neighbour. He talked about the Beatitudes or the right attitudes to actually have in our relationship with God. He talked about things like adultery and murder. He talked about judging. He talked about fasting and all these things which he covered. This particular parable, he deliberately said right at the end of all of these points which he was speaking to this large group of people and there's a reason why. These verses or this parable summarises what he was saying or what the people would need to do. And he identifies, um, before they even ask any questions, what would be the main problem, not only for these people, but for us as well. And we're going to read through it. So in 24, parable of the two builders, he said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. This is who we want to be. We actually want to be someone who takes in God's um, advice and scripture and practices it, that does it. We have that wisdom to actually turn it into action and develop it into a lifestyle. The great problem that Jesus identified within people is that they'd have the humility to come and hear what God would say and to agree with it, to accept it, but they wouldn't have the ability to actually turn it into a practice. And that's what he's getting through here. In verse 26, he says to them, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And for these people, when, when tribulation comes upon you, it's not just enough to to be in fellowship and to know the right thing to do and to know that we should be praying or to know that we should be reading scriptures or building up your brothers and your sisters. But what Jesus is saying here, it's actually a requirement for you to connect to God. You have to be doing these things. They actually have to be practices in your life that you're using and you're utilising. And it's that transition, and I know Ben talked about it today, from the milk to the meat where you start serving people and you start being involved in things, where you actually really start to feel that connection. And what it does ultimately, it a bit of like a Wi-Fi booster, it enhances our ability to connect with God and stay connected consistently. When we're not doing these things, it breaks that connection or it can open up other doors for us to start doing the wrong practices. And I'll quickly address, I think I've got two minutes left, some of the... Um, some of the um, traps that we can fall into as spirit-filled people. Second Timothy and chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. <clears throat> this is talking about in tough times, this is how... <clears throat> this is how things are going to look. And he kind of paints a picture. It's in verse 1, chapter 3. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good, 
traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. He's given a list of the people who are caught up practicing the wrong thing. The people who are doing their actions that they're actually doing aren't aligning with what God has asked them to do. And the incredible thing is, or maybe not incredible, but the scary thing is this letter was written to spirit-filled people, not people in the world. And he kind of gives insight into how these people got to this point where they were doing all of these things where they were. And it seems like a lot, and it's not probably an exhaustive list, but he gives this um, point in verse 7 where he says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And if you think about that, how can you always be learning things but never going anywhere? If you place a one-legged duck in a pond, where does it go? Anyone know? It goes round in circles. It goes round and round. In this particular verse, what he's trying to say to them These people were the people that all they did was hear. All they did was take things in. They were always learning and understanding things. But they never went beyond there to actually turn that godly practice into their lifestyle. And they fell into the trap of going down other avenues and doing other practices, which wasn't what God promoted. And the essential thing for us with the humility to not only accept what God has said is right by the actual wisdom or discipline to start to practice some of those and to um, adopt them into our life is essential, to be not only hearing the word but doing it. And I'll just quickly summarise in James 1 and verse 19. A passage almost identical to what Jesus said to the people uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. James is such a small book. I keep going, Hebrew Peter, Hebrew Peter. I know it's in the middle somewhere. Okay. James 1 from verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside or depart from to disconnect from. That same principle we looked at the start of disconnecting from the world and drawing nigh to God. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving who? Deceiving yourselves. When we are only hearing, the only person initially that it's impacting is ourselves. And that's what he wants people to realise. You're really only not so much letting yourself down, but missing out on connecting with God when you're not learning to turn these things into practice. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And for all of you who don't know, does is a verb, it's a doing word, it's action. And just to quickly summarise the thoughts tonight, this principle of actually connecting with God is very heavily involved in what we do and what we practise. Not so much the things that we might agree with or the things that we might believe or think, but it's actually how we structure our lives. And I'd just like to leave it at that. Amen.